God, we welcome you. We welcome you. We welcome your presence. We welcome you and what you want to do in our lives. We thank you that we have hope because of you. We have love. We have life. We have joy. We have eternity because of you in this day and what it represents. So, Lord, we just love you and um, just come. I pray that you'd give me your ways, your words, your wisdom. And uh, may we lean into you today. We celebrate you. Thank you that we serve a risen Lord, a risen Savior, one that invites us in to relationship, one that is not distant, one that is not far off. One that is close and loves us. Lord, you love every person in this room. And no matter what I say, uh, no matter what is done today, I pray that there would be a deeper revelation of your love for each person in this room today. God, you change us, you transform us with your love and the relationship that you bring. Lord, you bring everything. We bring nothing. And we just lean into you and your goodness this morning. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, uh, my name is Chad Helms. I am the lead pastor here. I moved, uh, my family and I started here the first uh, weekend of November, which I think was November 1st. And uh, we have just, uh, we have love, love, love you. We love Knoxville. We love living here. This is our life. This already feels like home for us. Um, and so, but I am not from, I'm not a Tennessean uh, by birth. I am an Okie, okay? Everyone know what an Okie is? Okay, so if you know this with me, I'm going to ask you to stand. Let's stand. Everyone stand right quick. One last quick little stretch. And if you know this, I'm going to ask you to join in with me. Oh, what a beautiful morning. Oh, what a beautiful day. I've got a beautiful feeling. Everything's going my way. All right, give yourself a hand. All right. You can sit down. That was your last stretch, the last hurrah of the morning. Everything is going my way. If you don't know that song, it's from the musical Oklahoma. Okay. Uh, yes, I was in that musical in high school. And, um, and if you've not seen it, you need to see Oklahoma. It's good. And, um, but that, that song just kind of hit me as I was preparing this week, this idea of everything going my way. How oftentimes is that the life that we seek to live? Everything going my way. What happens to me, circumstances, finances, um, relationships, marriage, circumstances, health, all of these things that we seek to live for so that they can satisfy and fulfill us. As long as everything's going my way, then I'm hunky-dory, right? Everything's good if things are going my way. Our way, humanity clings to this idea of things being our way. Our way, my way, brings security to Chad Helms. It does. Uh, my way um, means that I am in control. Our way is the absence of loss. Our way is the comfort of knowing. Our way keeps things tidy and in check in our life. 
But the story of Jesus is a story that paints a picture of life, hope, justice, and a new kingdom. But not when things are always going our way. If you know of the Easter story at all, okay, Jesus came, he was born, and he was born as a baby in a stable. He lived a sinless life. He was a man, right? Um, and he claimed to be different. He claimed to be the Messiah, right? King. He ended up being uh, punished for that and dying, resurrecting again. But the reality is, if you had been a disciple in that day, walking with Jesus for those years, Jesus pouring his life into you, you'd think everything was going your way, right? Here's this king that is finally going to change things for us. We now have hope in a tangible way that we've never had before. We now have life, uh, watching Jesus do miracles and all those things. Man, can you imagine walking with Jesus and just having him pour into you and, and, and seeing him demonstrate the kingdom of God and, and healing and, and, and just crossing that barrier and that, that invisible boundary that was there in society? And Jesus is just doing this. And I can only imagine being a disciple, following him. And then all of a sudden, things were going their way, but all of a sudden, the person they had devoted their life to, they had literally walked away from their skill and their life and the, the things that they used to put all of their energy in and their work and, and, and all the things that we get caught up in. All of a sudden now, Jesus is dead. The hope that, that seemed so tangible now seems quite removed. Jesus is dead and it leaves everyone around him grappling. I want to read a passage. It's kind of a longer passage today. Luke 24, starting with verse 13. The words are going to be on the screen. You can follow along. Luke 24, verse 13 says, That same day two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. But God kept them from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They stopped short, sadness written across their faces. Then one of them, Cleopas, replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened these last few days. What things? Jesus asked. The things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said. He was a prophet who did powerful things, and he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. Verse 1 says, We had hoped. We had hoped he was the Messiah, who had come to rescue Israel. All of this happened three days ago. We had hoped he was the Messiah and had come to rescue us. We had hoped. Pretty much sums it up. Walking on this journey of seven miles, faces long, with this newfound reality, we had hoped. Everything was going 
our way. So these two followers leave the disciples with vivid and fresh memories of Good Friday and what just transpired, what just went down, what just happened. Things were all of a sudden not their way any longer. The one they had once followed, the one that they had given their life to, had now been killed. A cruel and degrading death made a public spectacle. Jesus was gone and now all seemed lost. There was no hope and despair had set in. A new reality for them, so they thought, had begun. And this was at seven miles to think about that. To think about what happened. I'm sure the cycle of grief and loss, if you've probably read up on that at some point in time and maybe you've experienced that, you know, denial and anger and bargaining and depression and acceptance, I'm sure all rolled into one. This very hope, can you imagine, you're, you're thinking your entire life is changing now. This man is no longer. He's gone. All of us have been on this path. In fact, this path is a reminder of the world in which we live. This continual reality of life hitting us in the face. Time and time and time again. Circumstance after circumstance. Problem after problem. Loss after loss. We find ourselves on this path of despair. I think there's a few reasons real quick why we end up on a path of despair. There's the path of independence. This is when the path of despair rides on the determination for me to live independently. All hope is gone. And so therefore, hope depends on me. I'm going to be independent. I'm going to do it my way. And I'm going to press in and I'm going to make this thing happen through success, through religion, through acting good enough, through, through and, 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 and it even spirals when we try to do things ourselves. It spirals and it's out of control and pretty much we find out that we cannot manage these things our, any, any, any longer. And so, but yet we're grappling with the things because at the end of the day, it is up to me and I'm going to just walk this path. Because no one's going to hurt me. If I'm going to be in despair, I'm going to do it alone. And I'm going to make sure that I can, I can control my path. It turns into bitterness and hatred and unforgiveness and self-reliance and religion. It's up to me. This path becomes our story. We walk this path into relationships, carrying our independence and our need for self, into marriage, and school, and problems. And this becomes our filter in the way of walking through life, is I can do it my way. We look back years later with an acceptance of the pain associated with independence, but an appreciation that we stood the course to do it my way. So there's the path of independence, there's the path of mistakes. I don't know about you, but I've been on this path a lot before. I know this path well. I know how it looks. I know the markers along the way. I know the memories that trigger the pain of the past. I can rehearse this path very, very well. This is when the path of despair becomes an ongoing and unending reminder of mistakes. We think 
This must be my path to walk. This is my cross to bear. I have to accept the responsibilities for myself. I'm just going to walk. I'm just going to walk the path. Because what other path is there? I've messed up way too many times. I've hurt too many people. I've made too, ma- too many bad choices. So this is my path. And nothing will change that. It's a path of despair. There's another path. The path of circumstances. I think many times we can find ourselves on this path. This is when the path of despair happens due to things outside of our control. Peter decided to do an update all of a sudden. <laughs> Out of my control. Circumstances, I'm telling you. We've lost hope due to actual loss, relational brokenness, uh, decreased income, no income, no job, abandonment, sickness, death, continual letdowns. It's the path of circumstances. Loss becomes confronted with the false and sometimes true reality of being misled. And it leads me to ask this question over and over again in my life. How could this happen to me? How could this path be my path? God, where are you at? How could you allow? How could you let? Have you not seen what I've done? Have you not seen my sacrifice? Have you not seen... What I've given up. Have you not seen how I treat them. And this is what I get in return. Perhaps this is how Jesus followers felt. All of the healings that his followers had seen. His, his faithfulness. His companionship. His friendship. His laugh. His love. His stories. His proximity. His hope was now all gone due to circumstances outside of their control. How could this be? Isn't this what we ask? How could you allow? Rather than seeing my hope placed in false promises and false realities, I begin to deflect blame on a God that didn't fulfill my longings. So therefore, we find ourselves asking questions like, how could I have trusted? How could I have been so foolish? How could I have hoped like I did? How could I have uh, dreamt like I did? How could I have accepted like I did? How could I have longed like I did? How could I have believed? How could I be so stupid? How, how, could, I, how could I have loved like I did? How could I have forgiven the people that I did? How could God? How could you allow this path of circumstances to rock me so hard when you know who I am? How could you God and in our humanity we seek to make sense of a God that meets our longings we try to figure him out 
We expect him to provide hope in a way that not only meets my expectations, but exceeds them, but only in a way that my humanity can understand. I expect God to come running in the way that I need him to run. In fact, I expect God to run faster because he's God. I expect God to do more because he's God. I expect God to not be limited to my prayers because he's God. I expect God to not only mend this relationship, but go so much further. I expect God to give me a good marriage, but even go further because why? He's God, and I know the way that it should look. And so when it doesn't happen the way that we think it should happen, we find ourselves on this path of despair, questioning God over and over and over again. When the day seems dark, We question God, where are you at? Where are you at? We learn in the scriptures that Jesus does things a little differently. Jesus' way is not my way. The Bible specifically says his ways are not my ways. His thoughts are not my thoughts. Since the birth of Jesus, we see the Gospels lay out a way that contradicts that which is expected. The way that so many people wanted. Born in a stable. lived He was a normal boy, lived a normal life with a normal family from a normal town. Chooses normal and ordinary men to to pour his life into. He teaches this upside, upside down kingdom that this is what we expect. This is the way that we expect a king to look. But Jesus is teaching the opposite. It's almost like he's just laying down and, and letting people walk over him and run run over him. And, and this idea of, of just hanging out with Jesus and what that looks like and how that what that means and how that shapes my life. He's no ordinary man. He makes bold statements. He uses mud to open blind eyes. He allows a prostitute to wash his feet with her hair. He ate with tax collectors. He prevented religious leaders from stoning a sinner. He performed crazy miracles. He spoke with authority. He was unbelievable, but now he's dead. Were Jesus' followers looking for a king... Or were they in search of a kingdom that benefited them? The way that they wanted God to benefit them. And the reality of my despair. Am I looking for God to work his best plan in my life? Or am I looking for God to work my life into his plan? And the reality of your despair. Are you looking for God to work his best plan in your life? Or are you looking for God to work your best life into his plan? There's a few takeaways from the scripture that I want to touch on real quick this morning. First is our walk includes invisible conditions. Life includes things we cannot see. Believing what we cannot see is difficult. Sometimes we can't even believe what we see. Just a week prior on Palm Sunday, all seemed different. 
Now hope was gone, and they're on the path of despair. The dream is dead. It's over. Jesus is gone. Now these two are walking home seven miles down the road. The road to to Emmaus is a familiar story to many, and it's a gripping story. It's our story. This idea of feeling hopeless and sick through loss and ruin and divorce and tragedy. We find ourselves looking and living for those things that we can see. But the story reminds us that God's ways are not our ways. We live from tragedy, from loss to loss, from tragedy to, to tragedy, from bad news to bad news. And what's our response many times? I'm just going to walk home. I'm giving up. I'm just going to join the path that I should have already known was there, and I'm just going to walk home. I give up. Let's go home. It's probably where they were going. They were walking home. They'd given up. That's our resort. Many times. The second thing we can uh, see in this passage is we're never on the path alone. Even though we can't see what's on the path ahead, this, pain, this, this, pit, this scripture tells us that we are never on the path alone. 15, verse 15 says, As they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. Can you imagine this? Like, you're, you've gone from, you're on cloud nine, living on cloud nine to absolutely despair, misery on me, right? Hope and all hope is gone and, and I can't imagine life looking any better. And all of a sudden, here comes this man. Unknowingly, it's the man that I am in despair over. And here he, he's walking. Comes, here comes the stranger. We know it was Jesus, but they didn't. Verse 16 says, but God kept them from recognizing him. No, they weren't allowed to recognize Jesus for a purpose. It was so that they might be in the same position as ourselves some 2,000 years later. Do we recognize Jesus along the way? Verse 17, he asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They stopped short, sadness written across their faces. Then one of them replied, you must be the only person who hasn't heard about these things that have happened. Where have you been? Hello, have you not heard what's going on? Do you not know just the devastation that so many people are living with? Have you not heard what's happened in my life? Have you not heard about my despair? Have you not heard my latest news? Come on, man. Like, don't you know what I'm dealing with? Catch up. How can you be so out of touch with reality? Do you not know what I'm experiencing in life right now? Here's Jesus', Jesus response. What things? What are you talking about? And their response was, is he was. Verse 19. He was. He was the prophet who did powerful miracles. He was. Notice the tense. It's no longer present tense. 
It's no longer relevant. It's in the past. This is what he did. This is what he did. Otherwise, they wouldn't be talking with the long face. They are now alone. The cross had taken, taken everything from them, the hope that they lived. What about the miracles Jesus performed? It was gone. It was in the past. Just like these two, we're faced with difficulty of seeing God's presence today. The past is good, but what about today? Do we notice him walking beside us? There are many distractions, quick reminders of current realities, the fact that we are walking on this path of despair. Life can almost force us to walk along a dirt path, never looking up to see who is with us along the way. We become unaware of the strength and the presence that comes with Jesus. Life loses its meaning. We become weary. But this story gives us hope. We are not walking alone. Jesus walks with us.
you don't know that song, it's an old hymn called In the Garden. And he walks with me. And he talks with me. And he tells me I am his own. And he walks with me. And he talks with me. And he tells you, regardless on what path you're on and why you're on it, you are his own. Seen and unseen. Visible and invisible. Jesus is present. There are times in our lives when God doesn't allow us to see. And it's a challenge of our faith. Am I choosing to trust God when I see him? Because that's easy. I know of the stories in the past. I know what he's done. But today on the path, isn't it so easy how we can forget? One day things are going so well and all of a sudden there's a shift. And all of a sudden there's no hope in sight. Do I choose to trust Jesus in the midst? Jesus comes along. Verse 27, he took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. (laughs) He starts to tell about his own life and, and the scripture and how he had to fulfill those things. It must have been the best uh, exposition in the history of mankind. (laughs) What a story that would have been. To go back and talk about his design and his way and through all of the things to the New Testament and how that he came to fulfill those things and that his death had to happen. But hope was not tied to his death. When Jesus intrudes our lives, probing our thoughts, it is for the purpose of blessing us. But how do we respond? Do we, like the disciples from Emmaus, welcome his initiative and let us minister to us? Or do we keep talking and explaining about the things that we don't understand? Or do we simply trust Jesus? The last thing I want to mention is the resurrection changes everything. The story isn't over. They thought the story was done. They were walking in despair, placing all of, all of their hope was no longer it was gone. It was done. It was over. And here comes Jesus walking beside them. They looked back later in Luke uh, 24, verse 32, and they said to each other, didn't our hearts burn with us as he was talking with us on the road? Didn't we realize that hope? Didn't it resonate with us? Wasn't there something? Didn't it draw us back to his faithfulness yet again? Edgar Allan Poe said this, Even in the grave, all is not lost. When things seem hopeless, the beauty of Jesus is He is on on the path with us. God deeply longs for each of us to walk with Him in close fellowship so He can fulfill His plans in our lives, not the way that we expected, not our way, but God's way. Jesus can draw near to us at any time, on any path, in any set of circumstances. 
The ways of God aren't always obvious, so we must be open to allow Him to enlighten our understanding, to take us into a new level of our spiritual experience. And in the end, we meet a friend in a new way that we've never met Him before. Psalm 46 says, God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help. Another translation says, always ready to help in times of trouble. He's always available. He's never gone. He's never, uh, he's never distant. God is always present. You and I, because of today, are not without hope. Regard, regardless of what path you're on and why you're on it, we have hope. Hope isn't tied to a trinket. Hope isn't found in fortune. Hope isn't rooted in religion. Hope isn't sustained by sinlessness. Hope isn't attained by ability. Hope isn't chosen by chance. Hope overrules. It overrides. It conquers. Hope shatters shame. It triumphs. Hope paints a new picture. It sings a new song. Hope laughs at loss. Hope dances on death. Hope rebels when against all odds. Hope becomes the abuser of the accuser. Hope holds the weak. Hope heals the broken. Hope resurrects that which is dead. Hope joins the disjointed. Hope walks with the lonely. Hope is connected to the cross. Hope rests in the resurrection. And when all is lost on the path, hope surprises us because our hope is Jesus. Regardless of where you're at today, Our only hope is Jesus himself. The man that came to this earth to take our sin on him. Romans says we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. What's Easter mean? It means Jesus took that on him. He took our sin. And we now have life and hope through Jesus Christ, our Lord.